This episode of the podcast is brought to you by writing out a check for $1 million for one year from now and then not being able to cash it because you're still broke as shit. Why do you want to be a lobby boy? Well, who wouldn't? At the Crown Budapest, sir. It's an institution. Very good. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Roll the Creds, the podcast, the only podcast that wears the perfume Le de Ponesh, and then also fucks old ladies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Zach. And I'm Frank. And today we are here to discuss the Grand Budapest Hotel. Ah, my old friend Wes Anderson. Yep. This was the movie that made me realize, like, whoa, Wes Anderson, I gotta check out everything that he has. Yeah, my girlfriend was like, uh... This is the only Wes Anderson movie that I like. And I was like, really? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, but you haven't really seen much. And mm-hmm. she was like, yeah, but most of his movies bore me. <laughs> and that's when I broke up with her. Mm-hmm. So anybody listening, I am now currently single. I'm here. <laughs> I'm in the room. <laughs> uh, so Zach, give us the rundown. All right. So uh, Grand Budapest Hotel came out in 2014, directed by Wes Anderson. You have way too many people in here. Like, a plethora of people. And I think that kind of just goes in hand with, like, Wes Anderson of, like, who he chooses for each film. Um, but main cast, you have Ray Finesse, who plays Monsieur Gustave. You have Tony Raval... Ravel... Ravaroli? I don't know. Ravaroli, uh, who plays Zero. That's, like, the main cast. But then all the people that you have as well, you have Bill Murray, who plays Monsieur Ivan. You have Owen Wilson, who plays Monsieur Chuck. You have Tilda Swidden, who plays Madame D. You have Edward Norton, who plays Henkels. You have Jason Schwartzman, who plays Monsieur Jean. You have Willem Dafoe, who plays Joplin. You have Saoirse Ronan, who plays Agatha, the only other pretty much main character for it. You have Adrian Brody, who plays Dimitri, who is probably the main antagonist, kind of. Uh, you have Jeff Goldblum, who plays Kovix. You have Jude Law, who plays the author. You have Harvey Cattell, who plays Ludwig. And then you have F. Murray Abraham, who plays Old Zero. And that's everybody. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're already a half hour over. Yep. So, uh... <laughs> Thanks, guys, for listening. Have a good night. Um... So, the Grand Budapest Hotel Mm -hmm. is about uh, Zero, the man, the myth, the legend, (laughs) who is now kind of an old man at this point, and it's kind of just him telling the story of how he acquired the hotel. Yes. Um, From a young writer who's just happening to stay at his hotel. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is, hands down, by far, my favorite Wes Anderson. Wes film? Anderson. Yeah, movie absolutely. Ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, the pacing of this movie, amazing. The quickness of it, the 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 real incredible like, um, what do you call those? Like the pastels. The, yeah. The, the, the colors for it, amazing. Yeah. The way that he blocks every scene. Again, it's like something that Wes Anderson is very very known for, and it's what made me like Wes Anderson so much as a director is this movie of how he blocks everything out and makes you see every single thing that he has going on. Yeah. I will say though, because I know last episode I was like, Hey, we're going to do like feel good movies. This movie is not as cheery as I remember it being. <laughs> it's actually like kind of heavy a little. It's very. Like, well, I wouldn't say very heavy. No, but like it's, it's heavy in the way that Wes Anderson could make it. Like, there's a part later on <laughs> when they're talking about, like, Agatha and Zero, and they just gloss over the fact of how horribly she died. Yeah. And I was like, 
Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. Don't remember this. <laughs> Even the ending is like super sad. Yeah, the ending is kind of somber. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's like some in between stuff that's a little like heavier. But I mean, generally speaking, it's pretty funny. Yeah, absolutely. The comedy in this movie really fucking hit me this time. Yeah. Gustav is hilarious. Oh my god, he's so he's so great. Mm-hmm. But when Zero pulls down, the, well, first off, the. F- <laughs> thinking about it is making me laugh the whole like concept and idea this whole movie is kind of based around the painting boy with apple yeah and they they finally go up to it and like they're building it up to be like this incredible masterpiece or like this this is like this is like one of the greatest paintings ever Mm -hmm. and it's priceless and she left it to him and he goes upstairs with zero and they and they walk up there and they walk into the room and it's like the size of like <laughs> fucking a sheet of like printer paper. Like it's yeah. not that big. <laughs> no. And then, I mean, the painting is, it's nice, yeah. but I mean, it's not like anything like no. crazy. And I love to where they're like, Oh, everything else he made was shit. Yeah. <laughs> and then they replace it with the two girl, the two lesbians. Yes. And it's just so funny. Mm-hmm. The comedy in this movie really hits. Oh yeah, absolutely. Every time. I mean, especially to like later on when like they're chasing Joplin down like the mountain and Gustav's giving like the whole speech about like dying, like very poetic, and then Zero just pushes yeah. him off. Is like, holy like, shit, holy you got shit, him! You got him! <laughs> <laughs> My the one that made me burst out laughing the most. <laughs> it's uh, it's really really funny. There's so many like little. There's so many subtleties in this movie that mm-hmm. really make me laugh. Um, but man, the politeness of him. Like he is such a gentleman. Oh yeah, absolutely. and like he's kind of like that old kind of classic. Like when people say chivalry is dead, he mm-hmm. is kind of like. The, the epitome of it or like the pinnacle of it yeah especially when they're on the train and like they ask to see like the papers because it's like the it's basically the nazis yeah that's like a, that's kind of what i was getting from um, it i mean they call them the zigzag division right. but like it's it's done as like the ss logo so it's like yeah. okay like i get it like, right you're trying to have fun at like their expense yeah and when they get stopped and like he's like oh here are your papers and then zero doesn't really have any and he like stands up for him and they just get like punched in the <laughs> face and like put up against the wall yeah the one thing i will say that i was actually pretty impressed with was yes there are so many characters in this movie mm-hmm. and truthfully you don't get that much screen time with all of them mm-hmm. But you still completely understand everybody's motives. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And that's actually, like, really impressive for the amount of, like, kind of branching off uh, that happens in this movie with, the, like, the side stories mm-hmm. and how everything eventually, like, kind of comes full circle. But really impressed with, like, understanding Adrian Brody's, um, you know, entire arc of, like... Yeah, his plan of, like, trying to get everything that his mother left him... And then also, like, working his way to basically owning the hotel. I mean, Adrian Brody, honestly, to me, has become... Since we did Splice, and, like, seeing what he's done, like, since then, like, this, the pianist, like, just stuff that's more, like, art house style, he's become such an amazing actor. Yeah. I mean, his hair in this movie is so good. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's, like, it's like borderline uh, Doc from uh, Back to the Future. <laughs> like, you could tell that, like, if he was gray, he would look like, like mm-hmm. an insane person. But, um, yeah, I, I really like Adrian Brody a lot. Um, I just don't like him in Splice. Yeah. I don't like that he fucks his she-man she mm-hmm. d- daughter. <laughs> She-alien thing. thing. <laughs> um, this is the most tame I've seen Jeff Goldblum, though. Yeah, and it, he's definitely, like... 
you're kind of right where you're almost like a little disappointed. Yeah, because it's like because it's such an outlandish story, yeah. and you almost want Jeff Goldblum to be. I, w- I would have really self. liked Jeff Goldblum to have been the serial killer that Willem <laughs> Dafoe was playing. Yeah, Willem Dafoe's face. He's got such a fucking face oh, on, yeah. that, on him. The teeth, too, I think, is what makes yeah. it. And, like, th- that's kind of, like, the only thing that I didn't really quite exactly understand. Mm-hmm. Was, was Joplin's thing? Was, like, him murdering people, like, for what reason? Uh, just because Dimitri's a bastard? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, yeah, I guess. <laughs> but, I don't know. It's just, like, so him going... But why is he? why is he killing everybody? Because Dimitri's telling him to. But, like, for what reason? Like, to what end? Is it just is it to, to have get, a is villain? Is it to get that... Is it to get the painting? Is he trying to, like, get closer to that painting? No, because, right, the he's killing people before he even realized that the painting is gone. Yeah. I believe. Yeah, he's just trying to kill anybody that, like, might stop him Interfere. from getting everything that his mother left. Yeah. Um, I like, too, though, with Joplings, like, his, his whole thing where it's, like, when he's on screen... The camera almost like does like this circle around him, like an old like nineteen twenties close up. I thought that was like really really cool because you get that like when you first get introduced to him, and then you get that again when like he's going to find Sergi's um, sister to like see like, hey, have you seen him? Because I need to find him now. And yeah. then like that's the only time that you really get it, but like it's just enough to be like, wow, this feels really cool like this feels like a throwback because yeah. you're you're zoning in on him to make him feel like he's the villain he is like the star of the scene and i i don't know i think like willem dafoe just his face alone kind of like makes that up he's a he's got he's got such a face on him oh yeah he's got that such a face on his face and i, I and i'm not used to seeing him with like that kind of like crew cut haircut mm. i'm like what the hell he, like, i just where's where's my green goblin willem <laughs> dafoe He's out. <laughs> New Spider-Man. He's, he's in there. He's coming back, yeah. Um, the fucking... My hands down, one of my favorite things about this movie was the use of miniatures. Oh, yeah. It's very well done. Like, like the elevators, like, yeah. to show you, like, you know, this is how you get to the hotel. Yeah, yeah. I love the miniatures because, A, it feels so old school. So, like, mm-hmm. I don't... I, you've seen, like, Bram Stoker's Dracula, oh, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So, like, that is a very like cinematic movie when it comes to like filmmaking that's like a filmmaker's movie yeah while it's not the best like movie ever it's it's a little like hit and miss especially keanu reeves Mm -hmm. but um like the filmmaking aspect of it is really really great Mm -hmm. and like how they did a lot of the old school kind of effects to you know to make it look um just like weird like i'm like the fucking the train going over the the book i think it is oh yeah yeah it's like it's all like camera trickery and mm-hmm. and you know like like playing with like depth of field and and whatnot and then even later on too when it's like they're going up like the the ski lines yeah like you can absolutely tell that right. that's the same thing exactly and it's all like done in this kind of old school fashion in the miniatures and maybe to like the untrained eye you wouldn't notice mm-hmm. but it's like me I'm like, oh, that's a miniature, but it's yeah. it, but it's like really cool. Oh yeah, it's and it's great and it looks incredible and I love like the mechanics and there was there were some times where I'm like, is that a miniature? or Is that real? Mm-hmm. Because they do a unique thing where it it sort of looks like a miniature, like one of the the ski resort, like when they're going up and down the um I don't know what that's called the the like ski box. Yeah, that thing. That's not what it is. <laughs> that, but yeah. No, but the thing where you're going up on like the you know mm-hmm. on the on the big fucking guy wire the um. The, the, like it looks like a miniature, mm-hmm. but you can see them inside, and you can see like the heads moving. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, 
did they just like CGI that in like oh, later yeah. or is that not a miniature or like what's going on here? Because either way, it looks it looks fake, mm-hmm. but it works for the film. Yeah, like because it is such an outlandish story and it is like this very bright, vibrant, like pastel colors to it. It feels like it fits so, so well. Yeah, um, this has one of my favorite uh, title screens in it, too, where it's just the girl like going to pay homage or homage to the author for writing the book and then turning it over and it says the Grand Budapest Hotel. Yeah, it's really It's good. such a subtle way to like introduce the story. Yeah. And it just works for how Wes Anderson works. Yeah, so like because the movie opens up on the writer yes. of the Grand Budapest Hotel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because then... he wrote the book about the story. It's like it's, So it's, it's like Inception because it's like there's a story within a story within a story in this film. Yeah. And I love the uh the idea of like when you're when you're going when you're back when you're going all the way back to young zero and and uh gustav you have like that really boxy aspect ratio mm-hmm. and then you go back to like what their current day is which is still like what seems like the 60s or 70s yeah but you go back to like their current day and then it gets a little bit bigger and then you go to like that writer in the beginning and it was like regular it was like fully regular i'm like mm-hmm. this is this is a really cool way of like showing time mm-hmm and and understanding like the timeline of where you're at and i just appreciate like small little subtleties like that i mean the camera movements in this movie are so like you can tell how choreographed all of wes anderson movies are because they the way that he he does a lot of long take a lot of long takes and he does a lot of like stationary shots where then he just kind of like whips the camera to the left or to the right Mm -hmm. and then a character goes goes uh, goes and does their action and then they'll like whip back and then they're you know, then it's focusing on somebody else and it's all like in one kind of, you know, fluid motion. And you can tell that like the amount of choreography that goes into that, like they must, they must go through like hours and hours and hours and and, like days of preparation of understanding, like this is where you're going to stand. You're going to then walk over here. Camera's going to go over this way. And it's like really just impressive filmmaking from like, from a, like a straight up filmmaking standpoint. It's really impressive. Yeah. And that's why like, again, like Wes Anderson really nailed it on the head with this one and made me like feel like, wow, this is what Wes Anderson can do. Yeah. I mean, even too, I noticed it almost seems like what he likes to do too is especially with, like, the car chasing scenes and, like, anything involving, like, automobiles, if you noticed, it almost seems like he has the person driving, like, just drive normally, and then he speeds Speeds up. up. Yeah. So it almost seems like it's... It almost seems cartoonish, again, in this film that is so outlandish that it almost borders on being a cartoon. Yeah. And I think that's just, like, again, a subtle thing that really showcases, like he's honed his craft he knows exactly what he's doing and it's funny too because like thinking back to like bottle rockets when we did that for the start and you see like the couple of things here and there where like he nails on the head and in this film it's just like he he just surpasses everything yeah like he knows exactly what he's doing as a director it's kind of interesting that you that you mentioned like the whole like speeding up thing because in 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 other movies they do that Mm mm-hmm and in a lot of cases, it's kind of viewed as like cheap yeah. and it doesn't and it looks like people would make fun of it because it's like, oh, they had they just didn't have a budget and whatever. They didn't have like a real stunt person to drive this car. So they actually only drove it at 30 miles an hour and then we sped it up in footage and it looks like crap. Yeah. And and whatnot. 
But in this movie, it works so well because A, of the tone, mm-hmm. B, the way that the characters are written. So how they, how they like, that like really snappy kind of dialogue that, especially like Gustav, like oh, yeah. hands down, like he has some of the best one-liners and just best dialogue in the whole movie. Especially when like he escapes from prison and like he's and they're just, just fucking asking, standing yeah. there and it's like oh my god just fucking move but like he's asking zero is like so did you get like the hideout I was like no nah, i couldn't find one yeah. he's like no 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 problem did you get any of the disguises like yeah. no we're wearing but them the th- you know the funny thing is is you're sitting there and you're watching it and you're like you're like oh my god they're gonna get caught again yeah because they're just standing there mm-hmm. but then the scene goes on for so long yeah. that you actually forget that that he just broke out of prison <laughs> and then the horn goes off and you're like oh right yeah well, they gotta run <laughs> we gotta get out of here so like the the fact that he just had it go on for that long and where you can go through the full thought cycle of stop talking like this let's move mm-hmm. and then you just get completely engulfed in their conversation then you're just listening to it you completely forgot about it and then it brings you back to oh wait a minute we just broke out of prison we gotta go it's so it's so good yeah it is hands down I think. His best. I still haven't seen uh, the French Dispatch, so yeah. I don't know. But I think the Grand Budapest Hotel is like his best. His is like you know that's like his mm-hmm. Mount Olympus right there. I think too the the pacing of this film is a very strange one to me that I absolutely love. Where it's like this movie is an hour and forty minutes, and it feels like it should be like two and a half hours because of how much is going on and how long the dialogues are. And, like, how the story is set up. And it it doesn't ever feel like it's long. It just feels like you're getting a plethora of things going on. But it's one of the shorter films. The thing is, it's, like, it's a prime example of efficiency in filmmaking. Like, you want to talk about a very efficient movie that I don't know what the budget was. But, I mean, it's, like, if you are a low-budget filmmaker and you're trying to, you know, get it. You're trying to make a movie in under a million dollars or whatever, whatever your budget is, and you have 30 days to do it. Mm-hmm. Another prime example is um, that that movie that uh, that Amazon movie that we did, uh, that Alien movie. I don't they, that was all uh, the dialogue. Vast of yeah, the Vast mm-hmm. of Night, like efficiency, mm-hmm. like really, really long takes, and your characters are talking at a not at a breakneck speed, <laughs> but they're talking quickly. Yeah, and it's kind of like. You know your know your fucking lines and let's go. Mm-hmm. So like you, they do your lines all in one take. Great, let's move on to the next uh, location. And I think that Wes Anderson at this point in his career probably doesn't have to worry too much about like budget restraints and he doesn't have to worry mm-hmm. too much about like timelines. But you can tell that there is a sen- almost like a sense of urgency to this film and and it really really is super super efficient. I mean you get a, you're getting so much story and not really much longer than a traditional hour and a half film. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, I don't know if you feel like this way, but I, I'm always actually really impressed with the television show family guy with <laughs> the amount of stuff that they get that in they, and that a, they in get like in and out in like 22 minutes. You're like, you get so much story mm-hmm. in 22 minutes and it's every single episode. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, and I'm always impressed with like how efficient they are. Mm-hmm. And this movie is very, very similar to that, to that where it's like you understand you have 37 characters in this film mm-hmm. and you all, and you, you know, you understand everyone's motives and it's all within under, you know, an hour, an hour, it's under two hours. It's like yeah. an hour and whatever, 40 minutes. Yeah. 
the shootout at the end is great. Oh, I love it. It's very Stormtrooper-esque where it's like nobody Nobody's hitting hit shit. No. <laughs> and then Henkels comes in and is like, nobody move. Everyone's under arrest. He, he comes in and he's like, who's shooting at who? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, he's shooting at me because he's actually the one that's stealing the painting. It's yeah. like, but he's shooting at me because he killed his mother. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, well, everybody's under arrest. <laughs> and then it just turns into a whole thing. It's, it's mm-hmm. honestly so good. If you haven't seen the Grand Budapest Hotel... Um, I think that it's the best one. I really like Moonrise Kingdom a lot, too. Mm-hmm. Um, the Life Aquatic looks really cool. Life Aquatic is really good. That's like one of his earlier ones. I like that one. Um, there's a lot of great ones. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't seen Isle of Dogs. I really want to see I that. I heard Isle of Dogs was amazing. Yeah. Um, um, and it's fun because uh, it's like that was his opportunity to do like stop motion Well, animation. he did stop motion with Fantastic Mr. Fox. Yes. And I didn't love the Fantastic Mr. Fox. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a little too... Um, I don't know. It just wasn't. It just didn't hit me. Maybe if I if I like went back and rewatched it, I would appreciate it more. I'm pretty sure, like in Isle of Dogs, he like hones what he's doing for like uh, stop motion Maybe. and like understands like, hey, this is how I can block out a scene with it. Yeah. Um. So and it has Brian Cranston in it, so mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of him. Uh. So, I, but yeah, out of out of all, every single Wes Anderson film that I've seen, this is this is by far the most Wes Anderson film. Oh, absolutely! Like with the color palette, the blocking, mm-hmm. the symmetry everything this is this is what i think of when i think of wes anderson yeah uh and it's also just happens to be in my opinion like his best story Mm -hmm. and the most interesting and the most fun but yeah you're right though for the most part it's it's pretty feel good Mm -hmm. but it does kind of have like those somber more you know i mean i when kovacs is like trying to run away from joplin and like turns around and sees him and then the fingers get caught in the door yeah i was like like, oh shit huh remember when they pull out that girl's head yeah. From the box. I had to double take back because I was like, oh, fuck, is that Agatha? Yeah, right. Because I was like looking to see for the scar on the face. Right. And then, of course, too, when like uh, Dimitri is talking to Kovics and is like not agreed. And then Joplin just throws the cat out the window. <laughs> I was like, did you just throw my cat out the window? Yeah. And then he goes the next scene and just gets the bag of bloody cat. And I'm like, okay, this yeah. is a little darker than I remember. Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit dark. Mm-hmm. But uh, but generally speaking, it's, it's, very, it's pretty lighthearted. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I give it nine, yeah, nine pastries out of ten. Yeah, I agree. I, I forgot it's, it's what they're, Mel's? Uh, I don't remember the name. Oh, okay. Who knows? <laughs> Somebody does. Somebody does, yeah. Whatever whatever the, the, the pastry is. Well, then fine. Nine draw-on mustaches out of ten. <laughs> yeah. It's really good. It's really, mm-hmm. it really is great. Um, and again, I was going to choose this as like my last film of like 2021. What, what year are we in? <laughs> what year is 2085. 2021. Um, I, th- this was going to be my final film, so I'm glad that we did it, at least in like December. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's good. It's great. So, I like, love you it. have a recommendation? I do. Uh, sticking with like feel-good stuff, Peter Jackson gave me something that I have been waiting for for a year. The fucking Beatles. The Beatles. <laughs> I watched Get Back. Is, the, is um, it the whole thing released? It's like every, so it's three parts. Um, I haven't finished it. Because I'll, I'll say this right now. The the one complaint that I have about it is, is that each Where's episode... Where's John Lennon's dick? Yeah, I want to <laughs> see his dick. Um, I want to see Yoko talk once. No, um, every episode is like three hours long. Oh, wow. It's long. Um, I didn't realize that. It's very long. But what I like about it is you're getting like all four of them of Ringo, John, Paul, George just creating like you get to see the entire process of them not only coming up with songs but then practicing getting frustrated george leaving the band the next day him coming back and be like sorry guys i'll be back um (laughs) to get back (laughs) and um and just like working on the songs and you get to see like 
the process to it. And yeah. that's what I really like about it. Well, I remember I, I saw it and I, I saw the trailer for mm-hmm. it and I sent you it. Yeah. And I was like, listen, I'm not a, the biggest fan of the Beatles, but like this looks good. Mm-hmm. Like I, I appreciate what they have done. Um, and I, I, I want to watch it. It's on Disney, right? Disney yeah. plus. Yeah. I don't have Disney plus. Womp womp. I'm not giving you my account. Yeah, you are. You fuck. No, I have like 12 <laughs> people on my account. Um, but yeah, like it is, it is very long, but it is very cool. And it just adds that thing where it's like, you know, for me at least, like I'm a huge Beatles fan and it's just cool to see that this was their last album. Um, yeah. And this was their last time to like create and to see that and knowing that now and then just listening is like, literally Paul's just like starting up the beat for get back. And like, you hear him just trying to figure out the words and it's like, I know the words just come on <laughs> get to it already. <laughs> but it's fun. It's, it it's fun to watch the process of, of song making and yeah. like how they come up with it. Yeah. And it's just, it's edited very well. Like it seems like it's one, it's like you were there with them just yeah. watching them perform. Yeah. It's cool. It's kind of like, um, that Michael Jordan documentary mm-hmm. where it's like the last dance. It, yeah. It's like, Oh, this is unprecedented. Like during this one specific time in this, in this like person's life who is like absolutely exceptional at what they do. Mm-hmm. There was a, like a documentary crew that was there for yeah. however long. And then this film was never released. <laughs> it's like, this is literally the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it, it's cool to, it's cool that, uh, I don't know how many hours and hours of footage they had to go through, oh, but God, um, like, I would imagine a lot, a, like 127 hours, I think. Wow. Um, enough, the funniest enough thing for James Franco to cut off his arm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the funny, <laughs> I get that. Come on. That I was got pretty that. Good, right? yeah, that I was get, pretty good. I know. I, I said that too. And I was like, hmm, I wait a second. There's a reference to be made here. Um, the funniest thing too, is like episode one, they keep cutting back to Ringo and he does not say a fucking word. The entire movie. <laughs> it's, it's just a shot of him. Like looking on as like George and Paul are coming up with a song. Yeah. Well, Ringo was kind of like the outcast of them, right? He yeah, was like the one that like they didn't like never really amounted to much after them. Yeah, right? where that whole thing George of... had like a pretty successful solo album, their mm-hmm. solo career. Obviously, Paul did. Yeah, John did. John unfortunately got yeah. killed. But... Ringo came up with art afterwards. Did he? Yeah, he Ringo's art. I I showed you some of that stuff. It's oh. it's horrible. But is he still amazing. around? Yeah, George or um Ringo and Paul are the only two that's left. Mm. Ah, yeah, it's sad. Mm-hmm. But this was fun. Yeah, good. Frank, what are we doing next? Oh, Zachary. Uh-oh. Uh, so I thought something interesting, a good, a nice little topic, a nice juicy topic for us to talk about mm-hmm. would be, well, we always talk about characters in films. We always talk about, you know, the general plot of the movie. Uh, but I wanted to highlight the environment, the world in which the characters live in and how in, in those cases, when they're done really well, the environment can also be kind of like a character. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what we're going to be doing next. Nice. I shit so myself. Listen to, the, <laughs> um, listen to that one when it mm-hmm. comes out. We would appreciate it. Uh, if you are still listening, thanks, guys. Zach, take us out. All right, guys. Thank you for listening. Now, Frank, once again, fate has intervened on my behalf. <laughs>